This is the Fly Guys podcast. Justin Goodhart uh, coming to you by himself as we are still in the midst of a crazy period uh, between Cameron and I as uh, Cameron. Um, we'll get to him in a minute. He's not with us, but we'll certainly explain why. And uh, we haven't really broadcast to you in oof, about a month now because of everything else that's been going on uh, between Cameron and I. But we've got plenty to discuss on this abbreviated but important, important version of the Fly Guys podcast. So firstly, uh, let's catch you guys all up. Cameron decided it was time to get married, so he did. Uh, <laughs> he did this last Sunday. He did to his loving fiance Olivia, and we just want to congratulate him. Uh, it was great to be there. And we'll have the chance to talk more about it when he's back from his honeymoon. He sent me a photo of him at Fenway Park in Boston. So he is getting to live up some awesome experiences in Boston. Hopefully he's checking out the, uh, you know, the old parts of Boston where they have, you know, the historic bars and everything, the cobblestone roads. So a big congratulations to Cameron and a big congratulations to Olivia, uh, now Klein, for uh, getting married this past Sunday. Uh, I completed my move to Harrisburg. And it was, you know, it, it was something. It was, you know, it's, it's moving, so it's never quite as fun as getting married, I would say. But uh, a big thank you to guys like uh, my my good friends Seth, Tom, and Cheryl for just helping me get everything situated over there. And hopefully, in the coming uh, weeks, you know, we'll be a bit more regular with our uploads as we're still trying to kind of find our rhythm with, um, you know, him being married and myself working the two jobs and everything. I'm actually broadcasting from Penn State Harrisburg inside the sports information office. So uh, it's a bit of a different setup right now. It won't be quite the same as being in the loft, but the loft is forever our home. Uh, Plenty to talk about today. Let's start easily with what has been the big ticket item as the football season is underway, we haven't been able to cover really any games, but the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins, coincidentally enough, are the last two remaining undefeated teams in football. Miami getting a Week 3 win over the Buffalo Bills, 21-19, the favorite and pick by many to not only reach the Super Bowl, but win the Super Bowl, especially by yours truly right here, on Cameron's wedding day. The Miami Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills. I just want to point that out. If that isn't a sign that Cameron's marriage is meant to be a happy and you know long life fulfilling one, I don't know what else would be. But uh, the other big story for my or maybe your as well, Philadelphia Eagles, they get a Week Three win over the Washington Commanders, including a nine sack day on quarterback Carson Wentz who looked every bit as what you'd hope him to look like going up against his former team. He was very cosmetic at the end of the game with uh, garbage time numbers, and really his first half set it all, 3 of 10 for 24 yards, and I believe at one point they had minus 16 passing yards, while Jalen Hurts and the passing attack led by guys like Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard were going off to the tune of nearly 300 in just the first half alone. Now, I could sit here and talk about Dolphins and Eagles, and it's not that it's not fun. It's sure as hell fun to do, but uh, we actually have to talk a little, little bit of uh, a little more about some other stuff that's happening. The Philadelphia Flyers season is going to be getting underway very shortly, and as much as I would love to try and ignore this upcoming and likely bad season 
We are a Flyers podcast, and that is what we're going to talk about. So they've got two or now three preseason games under their belt. They played and defeated the Boston Bruins uh, for their first preseason game, that one coming in overtime. Then they fell to Buffalo 2-1 to just the other night, and then last night 3-1 to against the Washington Capitals. Now the whole point in all of this in preseason is you want to kind of get an idea as to what you're looking at. Last year, when I had the uh, privilege of going to the Flyers preseason game, they were taking on the Bruins. They didn't look good. It was the the B-list Bruins. They were pretty much throwing out their B team going against the number one unit of the Flyers, and it didn't look good. I came away from that game thinking, that's going to be a problem in the season. And I tried to fight off the feelings. I tried to act like, you know, maybe I'm just not seeing things. I'm not admittedly the smartest person in the world when it comes to you know viewing things uh, on film or taking a look on TV to see what might be missed. But when you're there in person, it's a different story. You kind of get a, get a better idea of what you're looking at. And oh, God, did it look bad last year. This year, I haven't been to a preseason game, so it's hard for me to truly say. Based on what I've read on Twitter, and I have to give a huge shout out to Eric Reese. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, we talk. We've we've had him on the show plenty of ta- times. We've you know big fr- fan of the show, big friend of ours at Eric Reese PSN on Twitter. He has talked about uh, the Flyers games in depth, and he mentioned even last night Wade Allison was a standout in the Flyers losing effort against the Capitals. But what he has essentially also said is that, you know, the team, based on what he's, you know, at least tweeting, he hasn't exactly come out and said it, the team looks a little rough. You know, there's been a lot of penalties that have been taken so far in preseason, although the penalty kill, I guess, has not looked too, too bad. But that's not going to last in the season. If you take too many penalties, it's obviously going to eventually wear and tear on your special teams unit as the uh, evening or as the evening goes on from night to night. But for the Flyers, it's, it's, it's an adjustment period. It's a... It's a rebuilding year. Everyone kind of knows that. Some have asked, are the Flyers tanking? Are they going for Connor Bedard? Those are questions that I think are not necessarily worth asking right now just because the season hasn't even started yet, and we don't know what the Flyers will look like come trade deadline time. They could very well be sellers. They probably will be sellers, and you could see a lot of guys getting moved for the right price. It'll be hard to move some contracts, guys like Kevin Hayes or Sean Couturier, if Couturier even plays, and there's been conflicting reports about that where we heard just a few weeks ago he was going to be out for months compared to, well, now he could just be out for you know four to six weeks, which is a big big bleeping difference if obviously for the Flyers unit with that being said you have to ask yourself how do they stack up against the rest of the division no less the conference and the Eastern Conference is a good one it's gonna have a lot of great teams in there you still have the Pittsburgh Penguins which people are saying you know oh this is the year they're finally gonna you know you know uh teeter off a little bit well we've been saying that for a bunch of years now and they always seemingly make the playoffs granted they're swept in the first round but they're a team that is probably better than the Flyers they still have players that are much better than the what the Flyers can offer Washington better than the Flyers and even though I think coaching is about the same uh, they still have the talent in guys like Alexander Ovechkin Evgeny Kuznetsov and they even have some other guys that have you know made the trip over to Washington, uh, the uh, Connor Brown, who was a former Ottawa senator. You know, he's now on uh, Washington. And so, you know, we'll see what Washington ends up looking like. Boston's another team, not in the uh, same division, but still in the conference and a big-time rival of the Flyers. They're going give to give problems. Are the Devils better than the Flyers? That's a fair question worth asking. The Devils kicked the crap out of the Flyers a lot last season. So, when you're going into the preseason, the most important thing you need to evaluate, you should never care about wins or losses in a preseason. Coaches might tell you different. 
I would be surprised if John Tortorella is losing sleep over a 3-1 to loss to Washington. What he might be losing sleep over is how the team might have looked. Now, without being able to watch, because the last 48 hours have been also kind of hectic for me as well, um, it's fair to wonder, how are they going to look when you know, you're actually out there for real? Uh, I think this team is a 25-win team at best. I think that even if they had gotten a Johnny Gaudreau, they weren't going to be that good of a team. The defense has massive question marks. You wonder where the offense is going to come from. And this is an opportunity for the kids. You know, we talk about the Phillies daycare. It would be nice to see the Flyers daycare really show up. Tyson Forrester, Wade Allison, just to name a few players that we're really hoping are going to take this next step forward and be a big part. We want to see Cam York make the active roster and be an everyday player for this team. And guys like, you know... (laughs) Uh, you know, only that that defenseman that they signed for like $25 million over five years because, oh my God, I still can't believe they really did that. Um, you want to see them be just good enough. You just want to see them be not trees on the ice at that point. They're hoping to sign Travis Sanheim to an extension. It looks like that both sides are interested in that deal. What is Ivan Provorov going to look like this year? Can he bounce back after another you know tough year sledding? He needs a good first-line partner. And right now, I don't know if the Flyers necessarily have a great first-line partner for him. They could put Cam York with him, sure. But York's going to be essentially a rookie. I know that he's played games last year. He played quite a bit last year. But this is, you know, I would say... His first full year, obviously, I, I consider that more of a rookie season. And so you're going to have to find a partner for Ivan Proroff that works. And then for, as far as the lines go, I mean, it's there's no more Claude Giroux. This is the first season without Giroux, as everyone knows. So how is Owen, can Owen Tippett step forward and be a leader for this team and a, and a positive contributor? What is Scotty Lawton going to look like? Kevin Hayes, Sean Couturier, these are guys that you really need to see step forward and play well. Joel Farabee, who was off to a great start last year, and then injuries and the team just playing like poo essentially derailed him. My my bold prediction last year was that he was going to score 35 goals. Hard to score 35 goals for a team that was just dead by November and had no sense of a future going forward. A lot of negatives. A lot of negatives when talking about the Flyers. It's not It's not an, a comfortable conversation. The one thing that I did want to mention, because it has been a month since we have had the chance to really talk to you, and by we I mean me, because Cameron is not here. Um, John Torello sends that letter out to the season ticket holders. And a lot of people praised him for the letter, and, and I was one of them. I liked the fact that he basically said, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough sledding year, but we're, we're going to try and work hard every every night. The players that don't work the hardest, you won't see much of them on the ice, and we want to be the hardest team to beat. There's, there's honor in losing, believe it or not. Losing is never okay. I just want to make it clear. You either win or you lose in sports, but... You can feel a lot better going to bed at night if your team loses 3-2 to two in overtime versus 8-1, to one, obviously. And this is where I think John Tortorella's leadership and discipline will really be noticeable this year. I don't expect the Flyers to be blown out a ton. They are without talent. They are not a talented team. I think that I've been maybe the harshest person against this team. I just I look at that roster top to bottom, and I think to myself, where are the Flyers better in one spot than any team that they might go up against this season. Where? Because goaltending, we don't know for sure if Carter Hart is really the answer at goalie right now for the Flyers. We don't know what he's going to be. I like Carter Hart. I don't know if he's going to be everything that we need him to be. But are you going to tell me that, you know, James Van Riemsdyk is a needle mover for this team? 
Are you going to tell me that Zach McEwen is? Are you going to tell me that Travis Konechny is? Morgan Frost? Joel Farabee? Nicholas Delorier? Noah Cates? So that's kind of where I come into play with this whole, if you can be hard to beat, if you can put up respectable you know, performances and lose close games, I think one that brings the team closer, makes them grittier, maybe they grind out a few more wins as a result, uh, for the tanking um, pleaders out there, that would be a worst-case scenario because then you're probably losing out on Connor Bedard. But let's be honest, being the worst team in hockey doesn't guarantee you a chance at Connor Bedard either. It just simply raises the percentages. There's a reason why the lottery is the lottery. But outside of maybe one player on this team, and that one player for me might be uh, um, if he plays the way that he's supposed to play, Maybe a Travis Sanheim, because I think he is probably the most talented defenseman on the team right now. Not one of these players, I think, is worlds better than anyone else that you're going to see on the other side of the ice on a nightly basis. So, I like the message from John Tortorella. Be hard to beat. Be be gritty. Be, be you know, as, as... I don't want to keep using the word gritty, obviously, for multitude of reasons. But just scrapping for every last inch that you can get. And at the end of the night... You'll be able to live with yourself a lot better with a four to two loss, but you were in it the entire time as opposed to six to nothing against Boston. And how many of those games last year? How many of them just got away from the Flyers? Almost over within the first twenty minutes, where you just knew they're not going to win tonight. They're not going to win. And so, as we trudge towards the regular season, and the first game of the season is a home game against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, we just hope that in these last three against Boston, New York, and uh, the Islanders again, that they can look, continue to kind of build that identity. The identity that, you know what, we're, we're not the most, you know, we're not the fastest team. We might not have the best snipers on the, on the ice, but we're going to be the hardest team to beat that you're going to play this season. If you go into that mentality every night, you're going to come out on top more times than you might think. Or at the very worst, you're going to certainly look a lot better against maybe the NHL's elite your Tampa Bays, your Floridas, your Carolinas, uh, your Colorados. Uh, Because other than that, I don't know what else you have to hang your hat on. So with that said, we'll switch gears real quick, and we'll just quickly talk about, you know, what else has been going on uh, in the world of sports. Obviously, uh, for those who are Philadelphia sports fans, you might be noticing that the Phillies are in utter freefall at this point. They are... uh, it's not looking like they're going to make the playoffs. They really, they really have, I mean, collapse doesn't even do it justice at this point. If they don't make the playoffs, if they miss the playoffs, there's going to be a lot of fans that jump off the bandwagon, and it's going to be really hard to see them coming back until they've, they've proven. And my, my whole sentiment with making the playoffs is this. At this point, I don't want it. They're about to lose to the Chicago Cubs and be swept out again. They're going to be 0-6 this season against the Cubs. I can't remember the last time a team completely, completely swept out the Phillies for a season series in the National League. Maybe it's been more recent than I thought to, or than I thought. But if you go 0-6 against this Cubs team, and just so we're clear about everything as to where this Cubs team is, they're not a good team. The Chicago Cubs are 69-86. and 69-86. and so, no matter what you say about the Cubs, you can say at least the Phillies should be better than that team. And they're not. They're not better than that team. Because the Cubs will have beaten them now six times in a row. So, at that point, do you really want to make the playoffs? For what? For them to get smoked in the wild card round against the 
St. Louis Cardinals, that would be the team that they likely play because it looks like at this point it's going to be the Padres and the Braves as the 1-2 for the wild card. So you'd have to play the Cardinals. You'll get crushed by them because they've been on a tear ever since like early August. And even they, they gave the Phillies a lot of problems this season. So I don't, I don't really think that this is the team I would even want to see come October. And I get it. You want to see the drought end. You finally want to say the Phillies made the playoffs for the first time since 2011. You don't want to carry this big burden going into next season. But I don't want to make the playoffs just to make the playoffs. It's just useless. It does, it's not exciting. When the Eagles made the playoffs last season, no one was there thinking to himself, oh my, you know what, this team could go on a run. Everyone knew that depending on the opponent they were going to get, they were going to get crushed by either 10 or by 20. They drew Tampa Bay. They got crushed. It was 30 to nothing in the fourth quarter of that game. What did you gain from that playoff experience? Well, Jalen Hurts got to play. play. Jalen Hurts looked terrible in that playoff game. So, I don't know. Not a great experience. Not something that you do, you're not going to look at that and go, like, oh, there's a lot to build off of. He played terribly that game. And the Eagles were out. I get it. You want to win as many games as possible. You want to get in the playoffs. You want to see what you can do. But the Phillies are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They will have now lost five in a row. Assuming that this score holds, and it's already in the ninth inning, and they're down 2 nothing, They're going to get shut out by the Cubs, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that out there for you. They're going to get shut out by the Cubs. And I just can't imagine them getting better at this point. Could they win some games against the Nationals? Sure. The Nationals are the worst team in baseball. They're 54-101. and Could I see the Phillies losing 2 out of 4 to the Nationals? Yeah, I could. I can see them losing three out of four to the Nationals because it doesn't matter how much better you are on the standings podium. It matters how you're playing in the moment. And the Phillies are playing some of the worst baseball we've seen, not this season, but in the last number of years. This is not just normal September Phillies where they collapse and it looks ugly. This is dreadful. And the reason it's dreadful is because they improved the roster in um, so many ways this season. Getting back a health Sir Anthony Dominguez was a huge add to the, to the bullpen. But then you add in the fact they brought in Kyle Schwarber. They brought in Nick Castellanos. And I know the season hasn't been great for Castellanos, but he was still an upgrade. I don't think anyone is going to blame Dave Dombrowski for making that move. Everyone unanimously agreed at the time it was a good move for the Phils. Bryce Harper, who was away because of his injury for God knows how long, the Phillies were playing well without him. And don't give me this whole, well, maybe he's the problem. Maybe he's a bad leader. Stop it. He's a great baseball player. There's no reason why their play should have teetered off the way that it has with his return. That is, that is a foolish thought to have. Are they playing with with nerves? Yeah, they want to break this this you know, they know what's over their shoulders. They know what's or over their heads rather. They know what's there. It has been a long time since they got to the playoffs. And it doesn't matter whether you were there or not. You carry that. You are wearing the uniform of the team that has not been to the playoffs since 2011. And by the way, that 2011 playoff run was one of the most painful playoff experiences in Philadelphia sports history. The way that it ended, the way that it transpired. All of it was painful. We'll see what they do. They're going to lose today, and then they have a four-game series with the Nationals, a doubleheader tomorrow at 105 and 705. If they lose both games, they're done. They're probably already done, but if they lose those two games, you can bet your bottom dollar they will be done done. The Brewers, in case you are wondering, they are playing the Miami Marlins today. Marlins are terrible, so they have a chance to really take... By the way, the Brewers' last uh, three games, or last six games... Three against the, three at home against the Marlins, three at home against the Diamondbacks. The Phillies have four at home against the Nationals, or four on the road against the Nationals. 
and then three on the road against the Houston Astros. Which team do you think sounds more likely to do better in those final six? Because it sure as hell ain't the Phillies. And this is a really, really fun episode to do. Man, a lot of... I mean, I could just talk about the Eagles. Because they're the team that... It's not that just that they look good. It's not just the fact that Jalen Hurts looks like he could be an MVP. And I don't think he's going to win MVP for the record. He's he's not. But I, th- I still think Josh Allen... This is Josh Allen's MVP year to lose. Uh, I think the problem is, is that this defense is playing so well, and there's not a whole lot of weaknesses on the Eagles. They lack just a little bit of depth on the defensive line, especially with the injury to Derek Barnett. But then you look at the linebackers, Kaiser White, they have Hassan Reddick, and I know he hasn't been getting five sacks a game, but he still I, I don't he hasn't been making big time mistakes either, which is what our Eagles linebackers have been notorious for. Thank you, Nate Gary, for a long time. Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick, uh, they have TJ Edwards, who is becoming a really really great draft pick from Howie Roseman. Then you look at the secondary, it's been Bradbury, who already has a touchdown this season and looks phenomenal. You have Darius Slay, who shut down Justin Jefferson, arguably the best receiver in football. Hopefully he plays this Sunday. I know that he missed Wednesday's practice with a a back injury. Um, Or back or ankle was one of the two. And then the secondary, you have... Uh, I have to. I have to try and make sure I, I get this right. C G J G or something. I, I Gardner Johnson, who is, but anything better than what the than what they could have been throwing out there. And I and the, no disrespect, obviously, like Kayvon Wallace, but we knew Kayvon Wallace wasn't the answer either. We've known that for a little while. They've taken the steps to bolster the defense, and after a rocky first week with Jonathan Gannon's unit, they have settled in nicely. Are the Eagles the best team in the NFC? I think going into week four, they are. That can change. They could get worse. But you know what? This seems like a, this this seems like a recipe for success. They know who they are. They have a great identity offensively. Well, I'd say they're a bit more balanced now, but they are. They can run the ball right down your throat. They are strong enough where they can just run it right through you because their offensive line is still incredible. Jalen Hurts is a very strong quarterback, and you have great running backs in Miles Sanders and good supporting casts in guys like Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell. You have the two best wide receivers in the NFC East, bar none. Bar none. I don't want to hear the arguments. CeeDee Lamb is not better than A.J. Brown this season. He's just not. I would argue that CeeDee Lamb is not better than Devontae Smith. So we have two number one receivers. You have a budding top 10 tight end. This offense can beat you in so many different ways, and we're seeing it every week so far this season. The only thing they need to get corrected right now is over the last two weeks, they obviously haven't scored any points in the second half. That's what you want to see get better. But you know what? The way the defense is playing, looks like 24 is a pretty good number to be landing at because the defense has been doing their job. We'll see how they do against Trevor uh, Lawrence. I'm very excited for the standing ovation that Doug Peterson is likely going to get once he uh, steps on the field and is announced. And I'm sure they're going to have a very nice tribute video um, for the uh, uh, for the returning head coach, the man who still has a statue outside of the link. So he's going to be showered in love. Not unlike a former quarterback who will be making his return to Philadelphia in Week 10. And uh, I just have a special feeling in my heart that this Eagles team is going to be really special this season. I have a really good feeling that I don't like to make decrees. I don't like to make, you know, big time predictions. I've never been that person. I usually like to keep everything week to week. And I try not to get too high or too low after wins or losses with the Eagles because I know how badly they can hurt you. But uh, there, I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach that this team is going to be really special this year. And there's not a whole lot the NFC at least can do about it.
maybe the AFC, depending on who they'd have to play if they get to that special game. But the NFC, Buccaneers don't scare me. The Rams don't really scare me. The Packers don't scare me. The Vikings have already proven that they can't scare me. The scariest thing in the NFC East is Micah Parsons. The scariest thing in the NFC, arguably to the Eagles, I think might be Micah Parsons. One player can definitely impact the game, but he can't win it all by himself, especially playing DN. And that kind of takes us to the end of this very abbreviated version of the Fly Guys podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I promise you, uh, Cameron will be back very soon, and I'm sure he's excited. We're we're excited to talk about the wedding and the move and everything. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fly Guys Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Goodheart Justin, and then Cameron's as well at Cameron Fine 15. Be happy, be healthy, uh, get vaccinated if you can, and as always, let's go Flyers.